Let me invite your attention to Matthew chapter 27. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? I want to date myself just a little bit because I remember very vividly the trial of O.J. Simpson. I remember the personalities involved in that. I remember the Bronco chase, and then I remember the trial. I remember Robert Shapiro, F. Lee Bailey, Johnny Cochran, Martha Clark, Chris Darden, Judge Ito, and I could literally go through the rest of the personalities as well. Many people said when that trial was taking place, that even leading to the verdict, this will be a trial that will be studied for generations to come. Also remember today the, the impeachment hearings of different presidents. And I could even say the personalities who were involved in those hearings as well. Something a little bit more recent for you and me is the July 6 Capitol riot hearings. And you understand people who've been arrested from various states and other people involved in that. You understand even political leaders who are being called to question. So those are trials that we remember. Many of those trials have shaped the direction of our country and even the judicial system. Those trials, as significant as they are, fail in comparison to a trial that happened 2,000 years ago. And the question of the trial came to this, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? On this resurrection day, you and I stand before the Lord as well. That same question faced Pilate, but that same question faces you and me here today. What shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? What are you going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? And let me give you a little insight into that. You can't stay neutral to him today. You're in this worship gathering in the room or watching. You can't stay neutral. Here are your decisions. You're going to embrace him or deny him. You're going to receive him or reject him. You're going to run to him or run from him. But you can't stay neutral. Pilate could not stay neutral, and you and I cannot stay neutral either. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Look at your outline. What did Pilate face as he stood before Jesus? A number of things, as we see in God's word, Influence his life, influence his decision. Look at number one, it's a personal question. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Pilate, it was to him. What shall I do? Pilate's asking for himself. It's a personal question to him. Same is true in this room today. It's a personal question to you, a personal question to me. Then what shall I do with Jesus? Then who is called Christ? What am I going to do with him? What are you going to do with him? It's a personal question. Jesus relates personally to you and to me. Look at the second one, a pressing question. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? It was a pressing question because it called for an immediate response. I mean, it was either going to be Barabbas or Jesus. Pilate had two options. He wasn't going to be able to delay. He couldn't procrastinate. He couldn't put it off. He was going to do something with him. It was a personal question, but a pressing question. Then what am I going to do with Jesus who is called to Christ? It's a question that needs to be answered now. Same is true on this Resurrection Sunday. It's personal, but it's also pressing because in the next number of moments in your life, you're going to make a decision about what are you going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? 
It's a pressing question, but I've got good news for you. Paul said in the book of 2 Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. His grace is in this place. Look at the second part. What helped Pilate make his decision about Jesus? Standing before a crowd of people, look at one, his conscience did. Pilate looks at it, and he knew it was out of envy that they had him delivered up. Pilate knew something about the Lord Jesus, and Pilate even went on to say, why, what evil has he done? He knew that Jesus was innocent. He was righteous. He knew that. Same is true in our day. We know something about the Lord Jesus as well in this room. We know this, that he's the Son of God and Savior of the world. We know he lived a perfect, sinless life, never committed any sin. We know that he died a violent death on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb. But gloriously on the third day, the stone was rolled away. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive. And one day he's coming again. And so we know that. And so the truth, just like it was before Pilate, the truth is before you and me. Number two, Pilate's wife. Pilate's wife helped him make that decision that day because she came to him and she said to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man because I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. She urged her husband to say, don't have anything to do with him. Why? He's a righteous man. I know this in this room and those watching. Pilate had his wife, but you've got your parents, your grandparents, your siblings. You've got connect group leaders. You've got pastors who are speaking into your life, seeking to share with you who the Lord Jesus Christ is, to say this is who Jesus is. This is how the Son of God and Savior of the world changed my life. And this is how the Lord Jesus will change your life. Just as Pilate's wife spoke into his life, you've got loved ones speaking into your lives as well. Number three, Pilate's amazement because they asked Jesus questions and he gave no answer, not even to a single charge. And so the governor, talking about Pilate, the Bible says, was greatly amazed. He was amazed because he was standing face to face. Understand this. He was standing face to face with the Son of God and Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Pilate was looking him in the eyes. Spiritually in this room, the Lord Jesus Christ is here. He's present. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The Lord Jesus Christ is here. We should be, we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. He's here. Number four, Pilate's crowd. While there was a crowd present that day, it was customary that they were going to release a prisoner they had two possibilities. One was a notorious prisoner. His name was Barabbas. He did a lot of evil in life. But the other one was Jesus, who was called Christ, the Messiah. So Pilate's asking him, which one do you want me to release to you? And they kept saying to him, what? You release Barabbas, but what am I going to do with Jesus? And they would shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. You've got the crowd speaking into your life as well. The crowd will say, don't give your life to the Lord Jesus. Don't put your trust in him. Don't surrender your life to follow him. You live for yourself, not Jesus. The crowd will still try to convince you to do that. Pilate heard those things. Look at the next. What, what other matters influenced Pilate about Jesus? There were some other things in there. One, public opinion. 
public opinion because public opinion mattered to Pilate because public opinion said what? You crucify Jesus, you release Barabbas. There are many people today, you may miss heaven. Why? Because of public opinion. You're afraid if you surrender your life to Jesus today, give everything to him, commit to be a believer and a follower of him, what are other people going to say? I just encourage you, don't let public opinion stop you from giving your life to Jesus. Public opinion is dangerous for us. Look at the next one, secular position. Pilate thought a lot of his position. Pilate realized that if he released Jesus and not Barabbas, he could lose his position. So he wanted to keep his position, his title, his role, public opinion, but also secular position would cause many people to miss the life that Jesus wants. I just encourage you, never let your position in life get in the way of following Jesus in life. Number three, personal pride. I believe when I read Matthew 27 and say the life of Pilate, I think he had a significant ego. I think pride was somewhat of his downfall because he heard what the crowd said. He knew the truth. He knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong. His wife spoke into that. But I think Pilate had to deal with his pride and he finally came to this place and just said, well, what do you do with your position? What do you do with people? But also, what do you do with your pride? And Pilate that day made this decision. He walked over somewhere to a bowl of water. And he realized he wasn't getting anywhere with the crowd. You release Barabbas. You have Jesus crucified. They were shouting it louder and louder and louder. Let him be crucified. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate as an act of desperation before the crowd he just put his water hands in water and he just said I wash my hands of any responsibility of this man's blood and you think about that in our day how many of us try to do the same thing I'm not going to receive him but I'm going to do some kind of action that will release me of any responsibility. But let me say again, you can't do that. You can't stay neutral to him. Good works will not release you of any responsibility. Being in an Easter service will not release you of any responsibility. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? I will say this, when you think about this bowl of water and you think about Pilate, he, he really wasn't the one that spat in the face of Jesus. He wasn't the one who took the club and beat the body of Christ. He didn't have the hammer that drove nails into his hands and feet. He, he didn't press the crown of thorns over his head. He didn't take the spear and pierce his side, but please understand this. Pilate's decision not to decide was the worst decision of his life. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ. Well, there were many witnesses that were going to speak into that. The questions before you and me today is personal but pressing. What are you going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? You're going to do something with him. I just want to give you this morning the evidence of who he is. You're the jury this morning. I'm going to call some witnesses to come and take the stand because I want you to hear from them. Who is this man, Jesus? What did he do? How did he change their lives? And then you're going to make a decision today. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? 
Make no mistake about it, every witness who comes to take this stand and this chair will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The greatest trial ever, as we see in Scripture, Jesus before Pilate. Let me call some witnesses to come and take the stand. First, let me call someone who preceded him. His name was John the Baptist. John, if you'll take the stand, I want you to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Who is Jesus? What did he do in your life? Jesus. I'll never forget the day my eyes saw him. I looked at him and I said, Behold, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. I testified that day when I saw him, I wasn't even worthy to untie his sandals. And then lo and behold, he came to the Jordan River that day and he wanted me to baptize him. Of all people to baptize the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, he asked me to do that. And then I prayed a prayer that I know your pastor likes. And I said to Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. That's who Jesus is to me. Thank you, John. Let's call a young boy to take the stand. Young, young man, will you take a seat? And I just want you to tell us who Jesus is. And what did you see him do? And what is he in your life? I'll never forget that morning I got up and did my daily thing, chores, and then my mom got me together. I was going to leave the house for the day. and I'll never forget getting up that morning, getting ready to leave, and my mom, as she always did, she prepared me this sack lunch. I had some loaves and fishes in this lunch. And so I left the house that morning, and lo and behold, I came up on this extravagant crowd of people, thousands and thousands of people. I saw these people. I saw the disciples. And then with my own eyes, I saw Jesus in the midst of that crowd. And with my ears, I heard that the people were starving. I knew they were hungry, but they didn't have anything to eat. The disciples, they were doing everything they can to send the people away. They're giving excuses why nothing will work, that we can't feed all these people. And then I just came to the Lord Jesus. I knew I had a sack lunch. It wasn't much, but I just said, Jesus, I've got some loaves and fishes. I give them to you. <laughs> and Jesus took my lunch that day. And when he put it in his hands, he blessed the food and he broke it. And he fed thousands of people with my sack lunch that day. And here's the amazing part. No one went away hungry because they ate all they wanted and basketfuls were left over. That's who Jesus is. I just gave him my lunch and he fed thousands of people. Thank you, young man. Appreciate your story. What about John the Apostle? John, will you take the stand and tell us about Jesus? What do you know about him? What has he done in your life? Well, uh, I was blessed by the Holy Spirit to write the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. And I started the Gospel of John by saying this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. When I think about Jesus, I spend intimate times with him. I think about the Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit allowed me to write John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse God has used to change the lives of boys and girls, men and women around the world. That's the gospel. 
I love Jesus with all of my life. And he loved me. He ultimately often called me his beloved. What a title. Thank you, John. Uh, let me call Peter to take the stand. But Peter, you, you were considered one of Jesus' closest followers, one of his inner circle. Tell us about Jesus and who he was to you and what he did in your life. And Well, Peter, I was a fisherman. Standing beside the Sea of Galilee one day, Jesus came around and he, he looked at me and he said to me, I want you to leave everything. I want you to come and follow me because I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Immediately I left everything and started following him. Sometimes I would speak before I would think. I'd get in trouble with certain people. I'd say the wrong things. I even promised to Jesus one day, Jesus, I'll die with you if I have to. And then Jesus looked at me that day and he said, but you've got to know this, Peter. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that. Lo and behold, at a campfire one night, sitting around a fire in the glow of that fire, somebody said something to me and I just said, I don't even know him. And I did that three times and then I heard the rooster crow. And then if that wasn't enough, my eyes looked at the eyes of Jesus. My heart was broken. And when I saw his face, I wept bitterly because of my denial of him. Well, the good news, Jesus, he forgave me. And he used me to preach about his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Oh, there was one day I was in the boat, and he asked me to get out of the boat and walk on water. And I was walking on water. I was doing great until I took my eyes off of him. And then when I took my eyes off of him, I started to sink. And I just prayed out loud, Lord, save me. He kept me from drowning. I heard him say one day at a place called Caesarea Philippi, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's who Jesus is. I want to call a woman to take the stand. We don't even really know her name. But you had an issue of blood for years of your life. I understand that you, you saw all of these medical doctors, you spent all the money you had and you still were, had this bleeding issue. What, what happened in your life? Who is Jesus? What did he do in your life? I just know this. I was around a crowd one day, crowds of people. Jesus was in the midst of that crowd and I didn't have any money left. I'd seen all the doctors. No one could help me. Nothing worked. And I bent down that day and I just touched the edge of his garment. And he healed me immediately. The issue of blood was over. He healed me. That's who Jesus is. Let me ask Mary and Martha to take the stand. Mary and Martha, you, you love Jesus. There's no doubt he loved you. Your brother, Lazarus. I understand Jesus spent time in your house. He did. He spent time in our house, Bethany. Myself, Martha, when he was there, I was so distracted. I was so busy. I felt like everything had to be just right. Everything had to be prepared. And I missed some very intimate moments with him. But Mary, my sister, she didn't do that. 
Mary, my sister, just sat at the feet of Christ and listened to every word that he said. <laughs> Changed her life. Well, we can say this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He raised our brother from the dead. He just called out his name, and here he came forth from the grave. We love Jesus, and there's no question he loved us. Let me call three of the women to the stand. Two Marys and a lady by the name of Salome. Who is this Jesus? What did he do in your life? Well, it was Sunday morning. We knew Good Friday. We knew about the cross. We knew Saturday was this day of silence. And we knew what he said, but then we just didn't know, is this really going to happen or not? So we get up before daylight on that Sunday morning, and we make our way to what's called the tomb. And, and, and we had spices. We were going to anoint his body because that's what we were supposed to do and oh you, you won't get over that Sunday morning as we're on our way to the tomb we're even discussing one another who's going to roll the way the stone I mean the stone's going to be heavy it's going to be big we're not going to be able to do that so who's going to roll away the stone and you're not going to believe we get to the to the garden tomb that day and we looked and the stone was already rolled away we were a little bit perplexed we didn't know exactly all that was going on we walked inside the tomb and guess what there was an angel inside the tomb the body of Jesus wasn't there we saw his grave clothes we didn't know exactly what happened to him and the angel said this I know you're looking for Jesus but he is not here he is risen just as he said we saw the empty tomb he, he's, he's, he's not dead he's alive we saw that well, you as a jury, you may look at this little trial and you say, but it's, it's very unfair because all the people you're talking to are people who loved him and who followed him, all the people who adored him. Well, let me do something else. Let me invite an angel to take the stand. How many times do you have an angel to take a stand and testify? What do you say about the Lord Jesus? Well, I'll never forget that day I was out there in the field with those shepherd boys. They were minding their business out there, keeping flock of their night during the night. They were tending sheep. And I said to them, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This is good news that will be for all the people. It changed those shepherd boys' lives. They went into battle. They saw Jesus. They worshiped him. And then they came and they started telling everybody about him. It was a joy for me to say that in the town of David, a Savior, the one who was going to give his life, was for all the people. Yeah, but again, there, there, there are people, there's people who followed him. What about people who didn't like him? What about people who didn't, didn't follow him? What about people who hated him? Well, well, I'm glad you asked. I'd like for some of them to testify today as well. Let's invite a, a Pharisee to take the stand. As a Pharisee, what do you say about Jesus? What do you say about the Son of God? You guys didn't like him. You all hated him. You did everything you could to trap him. But you've got to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What do you think about Jesus? Here's what I saw him do. I saw him help people. I saw him heal people. I can even say he ate with tax collectors and sinners. And I can even say he forgave people their sins. I saw it with my own eyes. Saw that. 
Thank you. Let me call the centurion to take the stand. You were there today when he was crucified. You saw that. What do you say about Jesus? I saw that with my eyes. I heard what he said from the cross. And here's what I would say. Truly, this is the Son of God. Thank you for your story. Let me call a thief to take the stand. What do you say about Jesus in your life? Well, I remember that day there were three of us crucified. I was on one side, another criminal on the other side. Jesus was in the middle. I knew the two of us on each side, we had committed a lot of crimes. We deserved to die. But I knew Jesus, the man in the middle, had done nothing wrong. In a moment of desperation, when we were crucified on the cross, I just said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'll never forget those words he spoke to me from the cross. He said to me, today you will be with me in paradise. Those words changed my life on the cross. What about a rich young ruler? You had everything the world had to offer. You had all the money. You had all the possessions. You had everything in life. What do you say about Jesus? I came to him one day. I came to the right person because I called him good teacher. I asked him the right question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he gave me the answer that if I would surrender everything and come and follow him, I would have eternal life. But I made the wrong decision. (laughs) The right person, the right question, just the wrong decision. I walked away sad. We had an angel. Let me call a demon to take the stand. A demon to take the stand. Well, what do you say about Jesus? Here's what I would say about Jesus. I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. That's who you are. Thank you. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Now, now I realize today you look at this trial and you say, but yeah, it's, 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 it's just not really fair. You had people who loved him. You've got people who didn't like him. I understand all that, but these people lived so long ago. And, and what about Jesus today? What about my life? Does he make any difference in my life today or tomorrow or this week or months to come? What about my life? I'm glad you asked that question because I've got some witnesses here today who want to come and tell you who Jesus is to them and what he's doing in their lives. So I want to invite Mary Morgan and Kyle and Allison to come and they're going to share with you just who Jesus is to them and what he's doing in their lives. And then you're going to be able to hear their words and think about your own life. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? So Mary Morgan, thank you so much. Will you just share with people today as we think about who Jesus is, who is he, and what is he doing in your life? To me, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecies. From Jesus' birth by a virgin, we're told in Isaiah 7, the virgin will conceive a child, and he will be called Emmanuel. God is with us. To his death and resurrection, told in Isaiah 53, he will be pierced by our transgressions. 
These prophecies that Jesus completed show that he is Lord and he is the Messiah sent by God to save us. He is the Son of God and he lovingly chose to rid us of our blood-red sins as only our Messiah could. I know who Jesus is. The words I've recited from scripture show this. But actually, how I show Jesus is best demonstrated through my life. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 17, after asking Peter, who do you say I am? Jesus told us in order to fully surrender to him, we must take up our cross and follow him. This is my testimony. I have been raised and loved by a God-centered family. I've gone to First Baptist all of my life. I accepted Christ when I was five years old as my savior. But really, other people's testimonies might be different than mine because they didn't maybe grow up how I did. But if you can take anything away from my testimony, take away this. It is all about Jesus. If you forget everything else I say, remember this. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Lord, and he has saved me. Amen. Thank you, Mary Morgan. Thank you. <clears throat> Kyle and Allison, as you think about people here today, who is Jesus, and what does he mean to you? Well, for, for us as a couple, he, he means everything. Um, you know, as we were talking about it, um, as we go through life, um, we, we can't look anywhere that we don't see him. We see him in the sunrise. We see him in the millions of place stars, um, trees and flowers as they bloom. They just cry out, Jesus. It doesn't happen without him. And, you know, I, I think about our bodies. I think about my eyeballs that somehow function amazingly. They're made by him. My hands that mechanically function, all made by him. But then even more, his word, his word for us has been faithful, true. There's not one promise that he's ever given that hasn't been something we could stand on, a, a place we could run to, a solid rock, strong foundation. Uh, it's his words that we live by. They've never let us down. But I, I think for us as individuals, even more so, I, I think of, I, I can't get past, and goodness, Easter weekend's a time to think of it. I can't get past how uh, wretched of a sinner I am. I had a debt I could not pay. Um, none of us could pay. And he willingly paid it for me. He loved me. And that's another promise that he's, he's made true. He paid that debt. And then he is lavishly, as Ephesians 1 says, he has lavishly poured grace on me and, um, and given me eternal life. And that's a promise I'm holding on to. It's a promise we're both holding on to. Amen. Thank you, Kyle and Allison. Let's thank the Lord for them. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Well, you've heard witnesses who loved him, witnesses who didn't like him. You've heard witnesses who are here today, but I want to call one more witness to take the stand. And it's the Lord God Almighty. And as you think about your son, who do you say that he is? And here's what the father says. This is my beloved son. With him I am well pleased.
pleased. Listen to him. That's his story. Look at the bottom of your outline. I've given you three questions there. Three questions you're facing today. One is, who is this Jesus? Who is he? He's the son of God, savior of the world. He gave his life. He was buried in a tomb, raised on the third day. That's who he is. Look at the second question. What shall you do with Jesus who is called Christ? What are you going to do with him today? And third question, can you stay neutral to him? And the answer is no. You can't stay neutral to him. Again, the options, you're going to receive him or reject him. You're going to run to him or run from him. You will confess him or deny him. But you can't stay neutral to him. And I want you to know Jesus paid it all for you. And all the him you owe. So I just want to encourage you. If you're in the room or watching, you've never given your life to Jesus. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Receive him. Embrace him. Run to him. We're going to have pastors here in front. We're going to have prayer team members here in front. You can come to one of us in this invitation. You can overcome public opinion. You can overcome your position. You can even overcome pride and give your heart and life to Jesus. If you need to be saved, you need to be baptized, you want to join the fellowship of our church, God's doing a work in your life, and you want to follow him in, that, in his leadership, you come this morning, you respond to us online, because Jesus paid it all, and we want you to give your all to him on this Resurrection Sunday. I want us to bow our heads together. I'm going to pray. And so I want to encourage you in the room and watching. If you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus, step out and come this morning. Don't delay, don't procrastinate, don't put it off. This is who the Son of God is, the Savior of the world. He wants to be your Savior, your forgiver, your best friend, your life. If you need to be baptized, you need to be public in your relationship with Him, say yes to Him, come to Him today. You need to join the fellowship of this church. We encourage you to step out wherever you are in this room watching. You respond to us and you come. We'd love to celebrate. And then any other decision you need to make, Jesus paid it all. So Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for being in this room. Thank you that we celebrate who you are. And Lord Jesus, as we sing this great hymn of the faith, we pray that we will obey the words of this just as you paid it all, that we will give our lives to you today and we'll respond to you in obedience to you. Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Heavenly Father, I pray for people to embrace him, receive him, confess him, and run to him. That's how we pray on this resurrection day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray.